200 years ago, the evil dire wraiths threatened the peace-loving planet Galador. In their homeworld's darkest hour, a thousand brave young Galadorians sacrificed humanity itself to become cyborg warriors, a last desperate line of defense. Hopelessly outnumbered, these space knights triumphed and pursued the remnants of the Wraith Horde across the universe. Now alone in the enemy's mightiest stronghold on a backwater planet called Earth, one Galadorian warrior faces his most awesome challenge. Stan Lee presents the greatest of the Space Knights, Rom. Welcome everyone back to Never Stay Dead. We nearly died that time, but we are back. Uh, I am Damien, and I am here with my good buddy, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello, ROM lover, unit <laughs> one. Read only memory. Yeah. I, <laughs> what? That sounds technical. Let's use that as a name. <laughs> That's really what it feels like. Um, so tonight we are discussing ROM Space Night. Issues which, one through ten. Issues one through ten. Um, you don't have to read them closely. Not uh, through 75. <laughs> there's 75 issues totally. So the amazing thing about Rom is that it uh, was based on a toy. The toy only mm-hmm. lasted one year. The well, comic book, oh, I think it only lasted one year. The comic book lasted, what, about six or seven years? I mean, it'd have to be at least, it's probably closer to eight. Uh, right yeah because that's 75 issues 75 issues yeah um so so yeah the toy was a real oddity it was by parker brothers who does like it was their first toy they're a board first and only and they wanted to start a toy line but instead of doing a toy line they did one toy and then they went to marvel i guess to instead of a cartoon you know do a comic to build hype and do all that though this predates a lot of the gi joe and ninja turtles right. and all that that it would may, create that formula there was a point at which it was illegal to do cartoons that were toys oh that's right there's some reagan and it ronald law, reagan but... changed the laws and this since this started in so this would have been nine ronald yeah. reagan was just running for president at the time but um before the toy came out parker brothers really like scrapped it down because the idea was that it was going to be this really cool toy and that's how it would sell uh, but then they brought down the points of articulation, just kind of brought it down. So it's really just this robot that you can move like two points on the arms and then the legs, and then you could hit some buttons on it. It made some sounds, and you can go and get one for a lot. I don't know. I, think. I mean, it's a very simple design. <laughs> I feel sorry for the comic book artists having to work with it. Right, the the hands look like mittens. And uh, there's no face. There's just eyes inside a box. I love how, too, the eyes are kind of in the middle there, which make it makes it look a little more dopey. And they right. moved the eyes up on the comic, which makes it look a little more statuesque. Right. There's just a lot of little subtle things they did before it even hit the comic to make it look cooler. And I wonder if that's closer to what the original toy looked like. 
I mean, I can't. If you look on Wikipedia, you can see a picture of the original toy. I I don't have it handy right now. Whatever. I mean, it looks very similar to the comic. Well, that looks much. much more dynamic, I think. Well, this is Frank Miller. <laughs> but by anybody. I mean, the toy is just this stiff little thing. Mm. I think they thought they would maybe connect with the whole Star Wars droids or something, I'm guessing. Yes, that was a big part of it. And the other thing, too, was um, Bill Mantlo, the author, uh, had success already, I'm sure, which was part of the pitch um, with Micronauts doing had another Had the Micronauts already come out? Must have the comic had close. at least. I have no right, idea no, about the, the toy. Had the Micronauts comic? Mm -hmm. No, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure when that first came out. Fair enough. Um, which is funny because they are forever tied. And I remember IDW not too long ago did like ROM and the Micronauts as a oh, wow. They got the rights to series. both. I mean, <laughs> well, it probably didn't cost much as you're implying. <laughs> Hot ticket items. I'm, I'd almost be surprised if Marvel didn't buy ROM back at this point just because of the history, just to make a movie. Because they're they should they're I running mean, they out of IP. Put him back in the uh, Marvel universe because he was as Marvel did back then with their licensed characters. He was included as part of the Marvel universe. Yeah, he dealt with um, Power Man and Iron Fist, the Fantastic Four, the X Men. The There's actually a really big moment for Rogue when she was still with the Brotherhood within these issues. Mm -hmm. uh, That's the most expensive, hardest to find issue besides issue one. Well, I have Rogue them all. <laughs> I haven't well, read I got anything. it too, but I had to pay a little oh. more, and it was a oh, bit good harder on you. to find. Sorry, I'm just. I don't know why I bought the entire run, and now I'm like, why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, well I had half sell, of it. You can sell it to me. <laughs> Jack of Hearts shows up. Ah, which is also a Bill Manilow creation. And, and uh, so. without you, we did a, uh, Eric and I did an episode on uh, Jack of Hearts. And a lot of this writing, the writing style here reminds me of Jack of Hearts. That makes Jack sense. of Hearts, thankfully, or <laughs> I shouldn't, I'm being cruel, but thank of Jack of Hearts was only four issues and Rom just goes on forever. So I think it brings out the worst in Bill Mantelow's writing style. Uh, yeah. He has to kind of spread out all his ideas. It was funny coming off of a lot of earlier X books and Bill Mantelow being a part of that, um, yeah. having done parts and a bit of them actually. And some of his Spider-Man work, which came after, but you know, I was kind of excited to really dig in. And then I got here and I I wouldn't say this is his best work. Right. Well, I would say personally, there's a lot of good stuff in here and I wish someone could rewrite it all. I, you know, I think if ever there was a property where there's an opportunity for that, this might be a... Uh one of them so the setup is this yes. i mean this cyborg uh mm -hmm. crash lands on earth and then he starts scanning people which looks very threatening right a, and then he right ray shoots at you as he scans you yeah he he finds this one lady chooses that oh she's just a normal inhabitant of this planet and then scans another group and then he just looks like he vaporizes two of them right which 
so we find out very quickly this cyborg is rom what a shock and then uh he is looking for these aliens kind of like you read earlier the dire wraiths who did something bad to his planet attacked it i'm not they never quite give you all the details there which i want to come back to yeah i mean i think the implication is they had kind of a galactic civilization maybe Mm-hmm. And they started attacking all of because we get a flat we get flashbacks throughout these ten issues, and so by filling in the gaps, I think what happened at first they just talk about the planet Galador, but I think Galador had a lot of planets because later they talk about a planet that had Galadorians on it that was destroyed by the race. I, but I think let the me... race came into this peaceful little galactic or interstellar empire and started just destroying everybody for what what the dire wraiths motivation for just maybe they then populate the planets themselves it's not clear well so that was a big problem for me reading these first few issues so just to say uh, we're looking at this page for those just listening where the header of this page is the legend of the space knights which is introed by rom being like you wonder what i'm doing let me tell you a story of and then it's like him finishing a sentence the legend of the space knights like this thing's written so corny but this is this is classic stanley era Mm -hmm. yes a backstory that he would do for galactus or for the silver surfer or whomever in fact it has a lot of echoes of the silver surfer right this guy who sacrifices (laughs) himself to save his planet loses his humanity to fight some larger evil but and in this I, case, it's his own world that is uh, basically puts people's brains inside robot bodies to fight the dire rates. Right. Because that's the best way to fight uh, people with both magic and science and who are totally evil. Right. Though what's interesting is we find out Rom's, was it Neuralizer? Neutralizer. Uh, neutralizer. Which is the uh, most powerful weapon ever. <laughs> But what it does is, oh, sorry, you were going to say. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not, though. It's a teleporter. It's right. basic. It's basically putting them to the Phantom Zone. It sends them to the Phantom Zone. What, what do they call it? Not quite the Phantom Zone. But yeah, something. the Phantom Realm or something. Right. <laughs> and But oddly, it leaves behind an ashy body. So yeah. it totally looks like those people have been fried, been murdered. And, and vapor, you know, f- inflamed. Well, and interestingly, a few issues after where we stop, um, it's brought up that the thing has a kill setting. <laughs> so these are supposed to be a peaceful people. I, I just, it's yeah. odd. It, there's a lot of things that are kind there's of add tons on to of inconsistencies. Through. I'll grant you that, but I still think it's a really fun comic book pulp sci-fi setup well so and one problem... of the great things is the dire wraiths are shapeshifters mm-hmm. they've infiltrated earth all over the place and rom comes in this giant weird robot zapping people leaving behind ashes and um so of course no one believes he's killing evil people he's killing or evil creatures he's killing human beings and eventually the girl brandy uh, Brandy Clark comes to believe him and gets some evidence and her boyfriend, everyone thinks she's crazy and her boyfriend doesn't believe her, but then eventually he gets some evidence and then it's just 
Brandy and Steve, the only two who believe him. So it kind of has an invasion of the body snatchers vibe in there. It does. Who do you trust? Who who is real and who isn't? But they do make a point earlier that some of those dire wraiths have been amongst the human population for as long as these people can remember. These are people they know and relate to every day. And they've been dire wraiths the entire time, which for the first few issues had me thinking like, well, we know Ron's story. What's the dire wraith story? Because I thought it was going to be these like two civilizations that were at war over like a huge misunderstanding or, you know, some contrivance like that. No, they're, they're just evil. They're but... totally evil. Yeah, there's no. They... <laughs> and like I said, I have yet to parse out what their motivation is, even for destroying planets. Right. Um. How and. So it's kind of an odd mix of because it was a toy and they sort of thinking it's for little kids of just pure good and evil. But all these different kind of things going on in that whole kind of paranoia. And of course, Ram is consistently stupid and not understanding. Hey, I told you these are aliens. Why don't you believe me? As he shoots people and burns them up uh, that that everybody has known all their lives. <laughs> Right, which for the greatest warrior of some great galactic right. race, been fighting for a hundred years, you'd think he would have a lot of experiences. And then two hundred in deep stasis, just getting from point A to point B to oh, Earth right, or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, he's he's incredibly dense. <laughs> but that's part of the gimmick that drives it forward, mm-hmm. and uh, and so then they uh, they kind of every issue or two, they throw something new at him, right? Uh, Pretty early on, they find this criminal whose name sounds vaguely familiar to me, Archie Stryker. Isn't there a Striker in the whole X-Men thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the Sentinel, or the Strikers. Right, the 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 Sentinels, or the politician in the Sentinels. Anyway, Archie Stryker gets tricked by the Dire Wraiths to have his head kind of implanted inside a space knight outfit and fights against rom and then what i forget what was next um he they have to fight the hellhounds of the of the dark nebula <laughs> which are yeah. some kind of dogs that tend then turn into some kind of human like looking humanoid looking creatures who attack and the um issue four the archie who's with put Archie inside Stryker, that suit, yeah. Who's called um, Firefall. Right. His his suit is supposed to rival Rom's. Yes. But... The second greatest warrior's suit. And it was his <laughs> best friend uh, back on Galador who had that suit. You know, he the, the guy gets stuck in it, of course, but he doesn't know that. And it's supposed to be this huge parallel or whatever, but it, it just is kind of like, well, yeah, you knew that, right? Like... Well, yeah, I mean, he is he is kind of dense and it's odd because he's a bank robber, but he has this passion for destroying this this uh, um, alien because this alien Rom kills people and he's seen him kill people or he thinks he has because what he really was doing was banishing them to the Phantom Zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like there's supposed to be some morality idea in there, but I I just it didn't come through for me. Yeah, I mean. uh, the striker thing seemed very, very forced. 
a lot of stuff in here seems forced, I guess. Right. And then they um, they get ta- attacked by thornoids, <laughs> which I guess are plants that attack alien plants with thorns that attack and kill. And and that and then it ends up killing uh, one of their friends who's a police officer. And then after that, there's a creature called Serpentine who's hunting the wraiths also. Yep. And a giant uh, lizard man. A giant lizard, the last of his kind. Apparently, his kind had appeared in an issue of Ms. Marvel and now right. wiped them out. Well, that was a very interesting thing. Anything they wanted to use in Raw, Marvel was very diligent to introduce in another comic first because this was a licensed book. So, I mean, if they had something and they brought it in, it was still Marvel's and they could play with it. Oh, but if they introduced that. in ROM, it was then part of the ROM license. So does the ROM license own this other, um, this uh, Firefall guy? I, I believe so. Yeah. And all these other things, which I think are probably creations of Bill Mantelow, like the Hellhounds and stuff. I yeah. mean, to me, these it's just packed with these cheesy space opera kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's also something called the Death Wing. It's some uncontrollable evil that the dire wraiths will unleash but if it doesn't attack their enemy it might attack the dire wraiths themselves and they also use it to punish their own members i guess well and eventually you find out between the dire wraiths there's the males and the females and the males are the science-minded ones and the females are the magic user ones using this chaos magic and there's a there's a scientist named rachel sweet who does who's a woman It's not fully introduced until uh, like way wait, later. You you've read ahead. Well, you I read about it. it. Oh, you read about it. <laughs> I read some cliff notes to well, help. There's another episode where there's a living house, a magical yep. living house, which is a demon that Doctor Strange has fought before, apparently. Right. Which the, the Rom's companions are struggling with, and so Rom has to deal with that is a way that to connect him to them. What's very interesting is like every issue has like a plot point and then a point for the greater serialization. Right. And so there's kind of like two or three real beats in every issue, but every issue is like a peck along the whole. And I really wonder how far they had, they knew they were going to have, because this series really feels like they knew they had time to settle it. Or maybe by setting it up this way, at any point you could end it in an issue or two, right? You, you would just yeah, suddenly yeah. say, well, that's the end of the journey. Like it's kind of a journey to battle the dire race. And in, in each step, there's something new that Rom has to deal with. Mm, that's true. Um, yeah. In a way it's the, this kind of plotting reminds me, and I, I believe they got it from comics of Buffy, the vampire slayer, where, there each season would have a big bad that right. Buffy ultimately had to defeat. But along the way, there were lots of little other adventures that inched you a little bit closer to the big bad, but weren't always about the big bad or tangential to the big bad. Yeah. And um and now serialized television and serialized and comics that have a long, a long-term story are more common. I think this was a little bit unusual that Bill Mantelow kind of probably found himself in an unusual position where he didn't have the usual superhero story. And he was trying to tell a sci-fi story of, you know, body snatcher type story 
but didn't know how many issues he he'd have for it. Right. I'm wondering as you go along if he builds up the the mythology or the the mythos of both the dire wraiths and the Galadorians. Um, oh, he, detail. They, they do. That was something that also threw me off. The Galadorians are referred to several times as humans. Right. In fact, in that very thing, the intro thing that I read, they say he gave up his humanity. Mm-hmm. So, in the mind of these uh, comic book writers, people on other planets are somehow have evolved exactly like us and are, are humans. Yeah, that threw me for a while (laughs) right and and so i guess even i i don't know to what extent uh stanley thought this but even the silver surfer was basically a human until he became the silver surfer right um norin rad so i like this format and it suddenly i i kind of poked fun at myself because you may remember when we read death note I complained about a stretched out story Uh and that's basically what this is, right? Uh, Yeah. It's an endlessly stretched out story. He's uh, the goal is goalposts are just moved further and further away Mm -hmm. depending on how many more issues they had. So they did this for 75 issues, I assume, but it's, it's uh, written much more poorly than death. (laughs) And there's just a lot of, so while it moves along slowly, there's a lot of verbiage and repetition and emphasizing and re-emphasizing of the little emotional points. Yeah, it's I, I know a lot of people now really buck at a lot of these older comics and I to a certain degree, just the amount of words on the page, but also right. how much the words are like reiterating the art or it's not the most cohesive storytelling. Right. And I've seen it on some older Spider-Man and I don't mind it so much there. I've seen on like apparently or essentially a lot of Claremont and I don't mind it there because that's doing a lot of different things usually, but here and like on Marvel team up or something, it's really kind of painful to get through because it is just the worst example of some of that. Was a lot of that Marvel team up written by Bill, Bill Mantlo also. I mean, some of it, some <laughs> of it's definitely other people, right? It was just the time and yeah. how a lot of these comics were. What's funny to me is like, you kind of learn, like there's certain panels or certain bubbles and you learn to just skim some of them and then read other parts and then it becomes more enjoyable because you're just kind of skipping past the parts that are the weakest yeah because we were going to do a podcast on this i felt like i should read every word but i think by issue three or four i started skipping a large majority of the um the pan not the panels the uh caption boxes and uh, to a certain amount the thought bubbles (laughs) Because you just after a while you get that rhythm of yeah this is going to repeat something that you already know, and then I think it was by issue seven I noticed the lettering dramatically changed. It got a lot bigger. Now for me, uh, a lot of my copies were smudgy and hard to read, which added to that pain of reading the caption boxes. And they're not reprinted anywhere. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I. 
So one thought as I was reading it is I would really love this reprinted on modern paper. <laughs> and two, I really kind of wish uh, Chris Claremont was writing it instead of Bill Mandela. Because, yeah, they both do the same kind of basic formula, but Chris Claremont somehow makes it all come together and I, Bill Manilow kind of makes it all into a bit of a mess. Well, I, I'd argue. At least based on these issues. Well, if you compare Uncanny X-Men kind of in the meat of the Claremont original era and then versus this, which is also Bill Mantlo's kind of indulgent comic that he got to go on for a while. Um, like I said, Bill, every issue, you know, has these points and it's like this piece of a greater whole. Claremont, when he had more of his druthers in control, really wanted to make every issue or two issues their own little section that was moving one character somewhere. And so uh, Rom is plot-based. Mm -hmm. X-Men was character-based. And but so they, it's a very different push and pull. Could, I mean, it has the potential of all this sort of mm -hmm. tapestry of characters between right. the various dire wraiths and the humans and Rom himself and his backstory. Yeah, it's not like it's not that close to the X-Men, but I feel like 1979 X-Men and this have a lot of um use a lot of similar techniques. Yes. But this one just this one is just being done for the paycheck and Chris Claremont was in love with his characters and what he was doing with his story. Well, I I don't know. I mean, but I guess Bill probably was a bit in love with uh just all the sci-fi pulpiness here. I yeah, I feel like it's a very different idea and flex and I've he heard and specifically listen to people who really enjoy rom because this is not what i come to me this is a lot of like what people are telling you comics are schmaltzy kind of uh -huh. low-end literature or whatever this is a lot more what they're thinking which but i was loving the schmaltz i mean i not yeah. the small i was loving all the cheesy ideas like the hellhounds and yeah. the thorn plants and the haunted ha the house that is actually a demon and the the evil dire wraiths that are shape shifters and have uh infiltrated our society and stuff and i was loving the concept that people were constantly misunderstanding what ron was doing it was done though at that like people misunderstanding ram or ram's stupidity and not setting it up so that people would understand why he's doing what he's doing I think there's a very lot childish, I guess. There's a lot of fun ideas in here and you can see some of where it's going, but I wish there's a little more tension rather than going the Saturday morning cartoon mm -hmm. route of making the diaries just the bad guys. Right. And making the government, you know, like this like, well, they just don't get wrong. You know, <laughs> this was very of a kind of a thing, and it had so much potential to be more and that's not to say that the like i like i was trying to say like there are so many fans of this that love it for what it is and how it's presented right and this is just 
a big, great, very soft sci-fi space opera. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I love it for what it is, but not for how it's presented. Okay. Yeah. And And so, but I kind of, by the end of issue 10, I was kind of eager to read more because I will, and I will read it kind of in that skimming kind of way that we talked about, but looking for it to develop some of these ideas. Now, if I got to issue 25 and it still kind of threw away every idea without following up on it, I think I might give up at that point, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Although it's hard to say. <laughs> well, and another weird thing about this book that I find interesting is how much of the talent is tied to Spider-Man. Because you have uh, Bill Mantlo who had a big long run with uh, Spectacular. You have oh, we did. Sal. I didn't realize that. Who Sal, had, of course, had a very long run. Huh? Right. And then later, who, do you know who the secondary main artist is after uh, SL? Yes, Steve Ditko. <laughs> right. That is, which is mind-blowing. Steve Ditko coming back to Marvel and basically doing what was probably a very low on the totem pole comic book. Well, and that i'm sure was just for the paycheck <laughs> yes and but i that whole period in the um 80s where he came back to marvel uh, almost everything he did seemed to be just for the paycheck going back to rom though if you could have the rehash of rom now who would who would be your team who, who would you want to in the book interesting um I think I'd like uh, Javier Fernandez, who I've just been reading on the Defenders. Okay. Have you seen those Defenders? I maybe a couple covers, but I... the Defenders uh, have a very retro look to them right now. There's Javier Rodriguez art. It's the colors very wild, but the drawing style is very reminiscent of Silver and Bronze uh, Age. That reminds me a lot of um... oh. Oh, he's on Daredevil for a while. Why am I spacing this? Chris Samney. Yes. Yes. It's a more gonzo than Chris Samney, I would say. That's fair. Um, With wilder panel page layouts than Samney. Samney is a master. I love Samney's work. Mm -hmm. I think in a way, Samney would be too good for Rom. You need something cheesy, I think. Okay. I'm not putting Fernandez down. I mean, too sort of fine arty for Ram and Fernandez to me seems very good at this kind of pulp explosion. (laughs) Um, But who to write it? Maybe just someone like Donnie Cates or something or, um, or Tom Taylor or someone like that. Just sort of a, a solid pulpy comic book writer. I wouldn't want Donny Cates because I wouldn't want that like darkest twist feel brought Blast. into it. Yeah. He always has to push things into the darker edges, I guess. Yeah. Um, although his Thor, I'm kind of thinking of his Thor, and I don't know if you're reading that. I am. And to me, that like, especially bringing back, um, oh God, the old secret Don, identity. Don Blake. Yeah. Don that Blake. whole thing. That felt very darkest twist to me. I guess so, yeah. Um, well, I don't know who would write it. Maybe I would write it. <laughs> I mean, if you want Kate's, you want Kate's. That's just, that's my... No, no, I was just sense. trying to think of who could do a basic story and not screw it up. 
<laughs> like Matt Fraction or someone would just get too fancy with it. That's true. Like you just want it. I, well, I just want it to be kind of pure pulp. What about like Wade? Mark Wade? Yeah. I don't know if he can. It does. It feels mind, a little. Mark Wade's a bit controlled. Okay. He could do fine. He would do a fine job with it. Okay. But he wants to be a little bit refined. I mean, he's a he's a yeah. comic book writer, but he wants to be a little bit refined about it. Yeah. Um, if I wanted a more refined writer doing it, maybe Kurt Busiak. But he would turn it into something completely different. Yeah. But yeah. he would understand all the pulp tropes and everything. Anyway, uh, I'm the one who kind of forced this upon you. But you had already bought all the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sell them to me, I mean, I, I guess now I have maybe half the issues, but um, I do for whatever reason want to own them all. I don't know. I feel like I should read it through once before I part with it. I guess. I mean, I if you're to, not enjoying to, it. <laughs> it's hard to part with a full run like that. I don't know. That's true. We're run collectors. We, we're, we're not obsessed by key issues. We're obsessed by runs. I wonder if Marvel owns the Space Knights, but not Rom himself. I guess. <laughs> because I think they did, I think in later issues, they made up a bunch of Space Knights. And I think there was a mini series about the Space Knights in general. Huh. Yeah, probably. This was basically my choice. <laughs> my fault. Uh, next time, it will be your fault when we read The Longbow Hunters by Mike Grell. Yeah, with some very adult content so no uh, minors allowed oh really that adult okay i have not read it yet i have downloaded it on comiXology even though i used to be a mike rell fan i um i just never believed i would like a green arrow story what else did he do <laughs> oh no i i've only ever seen his name associated with green arrow <laughs> Well, he was a superstar at DC with a comic called Warlord, which he wrote and drew for years. Oh, okay. And um, it was maybe one of the only comics of the DC explosion slash implosion era that survived. Okay. And then he, um, he left. He was an early adopter to indie comics, and he left to do two well-known series at... I want to say Pacific and Eclipse comics. One was called Star Slayer, uh, which now is most famous for having the first appearance of Dan Stevens' um, Rocketeer. And the other was called uh, Sable. And those okay. were uh, major indie comics at the time. And then after those, so he kind of grew up doing those. And then he came back to DC and, and, and did the Longbow Hunters. And actually, bef even before that, he was a bit of a star on his work on the Legion of Superheroes be before Warlord. And and he did an, with Denny O'Neill, he did a run on Green Arrow, Green Lantern, actually somewhere in the mix of that, of his first period of time at DC. Cool. All right. So there you go. Old man knowledge. <laughs> We will come back from the dead yet again, at least one more time, to discuss the Longbow Hunters. Sounds like... And uh, if Matt stuff. can keep twisting my arm, maybe, for more things. <laughs>
So goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Uh, editing. Maybe I should just do StreamYard and not edit. But anyway. For what we get on these things, honestly, that's probably for the best. StreamYard has something in its algorithm where it chooses one voice over the other. Yours. Um, that actually makes sense. I Well, no, I don't know. I don't know if it always is choosing my voice. It makes random choices. It feels felt to me like when I'm trying well, to edit through StreamYard. Gotcha.